churches, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Having me this evening, it's a real pleasure to be with you. Uh, an autumn Friday evening in Bethnal Green. And the daylight has now gone. And those living or staying in the house look out at the garden, lit by the neighboring streetlights. And for anyone working on the ground floor office at 6 p.m., there's a gin and tonic or a glass of wine or water uh, and some posh crisps to just help finish off the work for the week. And by 8 p.m., the classical music and the cooking smells draw everyone to the kitchen to find their place at the table with a fresh tablecloth just for the one evening of the week. But before the meal begins, there's one more ritual to perform. The property pages of the week. Do you know it? It's a weekly summary of content from across newspapers and websites and broadcasters. It's not just news, but also arts, a little bit of sport, and crucially, a double-page spread of homes. A collection of gorgeous photos and descriptions grouped under a category such as bolt holes under £500,000, homes with a seaside view, unusual flats, or houses in national parks. And on this Friday evening, with the candles lit, the kitchen warm and alluring, and despite having lived very happily in our family home in East London for 14 years, we still ogle at this property pornography, as it's been called. We wonder, we share our preferences. Which of these homes would you like to live in? And there are different views, personal ones, because home is where things are the way you want them, the way they fit your desires, the way you're wired. And if you're asking, I confess, to being drawn to large gardens and quirky interiors, preferably old and rambling, and that magic word, outbuildings. <laughs> Innocent dreaming, I promise. Just sharing preferences and imagining what home might otherwise be like. Now, I wonder what those cooking smells tell us about supper. And here's St. Paul, who writes these verses from his letter, tells us very directly in a sequence of metaphors about the church as our home, how we are designed for it, and how to deeply 
find our place in it. And spiritually speaking, we have a sense of this as well, don't we? What is home for your heart? You might be considering calling and purpose right now. You might want peace, maybe a sense of place and rootedness. Maybe you want love never to end. You want to do a few things that count to make a difference. You are no longer foreigners and strangers. Being in a setting where you you don't know the language, the culture, any people, you can't communicate. It's very uncomfortable as an experience, isn't it? It's one of profound loneliness. And some of you know this for yourselves. You've worked with refugees, maybe people who've arrived recently from Hong Kong or Afghanistan. Or maybe for you, yourself, you've moved to London in the last few months. And these emotions are real for you now, home. If home is where things are set up that fit with your desires, well, we don't have that right here and now, do we? We're living in a world that doesn't fit with our innermost desires at all. It's part of the narrative to COP26, the destruction of our home. And you don't have to be an existentialist to look around London and diagnose that as human beings, friends and neighbours, we're often out of place and lonely. And we find all sorts of ways to mask that, to try to come to terms with it. But the human heart and soul is only truly at home in God. In Psalm 90, he is called our eternal home. We'll sing that in the great Remembrance Sunday hymn. Without him, we are homeless. But good news, we are no longer foreigners and strangers. So what are we? And these three images follow. We're fellow citizens, so we're God's people. We're members of God's household, so we are a family. And a holy temple, God's dwelling place, stones in a building that is a home for God. And and see how these get more intense. They narrow in, they focus in, in proximity to God, for example. So first, a king, a king lives in the same country as his people. Then a father lives under the same roof as his children. And finally, a temple. God actually lives in the temple. And it's the same intensity, getting closer as we consider this in proximity to one another. So we've considered proximity to God, but also to one another. We're neighbours, we're in the same city and the same culture. Then closer, we're brothers and sisters. We're under the same roof. We live just feet from each other, hugs all round. And then, stones in the building, we're actually cemented to one another. The more powerful the force that shapes you, the more you are fitted with others. So culture is a powerful force. You feel an affinity with others from the same culture. I mean, look around this evening in Chester Square. Um, Streets full of children, 
I mean, I, I hate Halloween. I, I know others, uh, it, you know, you have, there's a different insight on it. Um, but this sort of celebration of, of fear and death, I just can't get my head around. Um, but people are out and about. I, I think not necessarily because they've signed up to an agenda of the enemy, much as they might be being sucked in, um, but to be in, in a group with other people, an affinity, a cultural affinity of some sort. And then family, that's more powerful than culture, right? Um, who your parents are, your siblings are. It's an even more powerful force. But then if you consider as a brick cut to, or baked to a specific size, a location in relation to the bricks next to you, there's no more profound shaping force than the good news of Jesus, what we call the gospel. When you grasp that there's nothing you can do to make God love you more, there's nothing you can do to make him love you less. When you see that the death and resurrection of Jesus wins you a victory which you and I did nothing to deserve, you only need to receive it. It's not advice to heed and work on, it's news to live in the light of. And when you absorb that, when you let the Holy Spirit make it real to your heart, it completely changes your identity, your ambitions, your priorities, changes the way you look at everything. And as a result, all human beings who have been shaped by the gospel are bound more tightly to one another than by any other force in life. We are one, united to each other. In 1985, I became a target to Soviet special forces. With a price on my head. Uh, in common with about 30 others in my platoon at Sandhurst, I joined the army for a gap year as a junior officer based in a regiment in West Germany. My tasks were generally limited to prevent me from doing any damage. Uh, here's a screwdriver, sir, careful with that 60-ton chieftain tank. But one thing I did learn was the remarkable bond that can be formed with a small group of people who genuinely have one another's back. You rely on one another for survival, for identity and belonging, <laughs> even for entertainment. Um, but I don't, I don't recommend, I don't recommend um, uh, squaddy entertainment uh, to the Temple Company. But, but it's what happens. You are so tightly knit. It was a field marshal in the Second World War that talked about a love for your soldiers being a stronger love than that for, I think he said, even for his wife. It's so tight. It's remarkable. It's one of the main reasons, of course, why so many soldiers find it hard to adjust to civilian life because it isn't replicated to the same depth and intensity anywhere else in Civvy Street. Everyone else lets you down, doesn't commit. You and I who are shaped by the gospel are being called to receive from God through deep relationships in community. How deep? 
I've got some ideas. Um, uh, but that's one of the reasons why Matt is here. Uh, part of Matt's mandate is to help you build this depth in midweek groups and the life of St. Michael's. Cheers all round. Um, but before he gets to work among you, allow me to suggest a few ways that you, the saints here at St. Michael's, can build the household of God, how to go deep in relationships. First, go deep with complete transparency. As in a family, facades don't work. Don't keep your faults and your struggles private. You need a small group for confidentiality, intimacy, accountability. Who are those people? Who are those people for you? And then go deep with whole life hospitality. You see, students in a school study together. Uh, Colleagues in an office work together. That's what they do. Hobbyists in a club do a hobby together. And in a family, though, you live together. You eat together. You play together. There are special times of hospitality on a Friday night with a fresh tablecloth and a Sabbath meal, by all means. But the rest of the week, you also share space in the home. You share each other's things. Now, I don't tend to go in for the special words, but it struck, this struck me as interesting, that uh, the word foreigner is xenos or xenoi. It's where we get our word xenophobia, foreigner. The word hospitality is philoxenia, the love of the strange person, the weird one, the outsider. Hospitality is that you bring the stranger, the foreigner, the weird one, into your home. That's hospitality, philoxenia. And then go deep with shared spirituality. Look at the temple imagery. We've just singing it. We exalt you. God comes down into the temple. He inhabits us together. More than talk about Jesus, we are to approach him together in prayer, in worship. It's one of the reasons why worship is so critical. It's in that moment with our shared spiritual enterprise that this language of building a home for God takes place. There's something, a spiritual dynamic that means that we need to press into that and keep going with our worship. Now, of course, you can be in a church and not know God. And of course, you can be outside of a church and know God. But it's not the church that saves you. It's faith in Jesus. Oh, Adam, the church is such a mess. Of course it is. Of course it's a mess. Oh, Adam, the church has hurt me. Of course it has. I'm sorry. I just want to have a relationship with God and not go to church. Well, you're going to have to make up a God of your own if you want that. Because to find your true home in this city, in this church, 
deepen your relationships in a Christian community. Now, having said that, I'm not unrealistic. As an archdeacon, I'm pretty much paid to say, you've got to be involved in church. Um, and I don't experience a warm feeling every time a Christian comes across my path. I don't, you know, I, you're my brother, you're my sister. I, I just don't feel that all the time. Uh, but don't worry, St. Paul says, there's a process going on. You are being built. It's present continuous, being built. In the property pages of the week on Friday, this Friday, guess what the category was. You might have seen it. It's right up there. Delightful country retreats. Each one of these buildings, of course, has its foundations and in ancient times would be based on the principle of a cornerstone, a solid and immovable object on which everything else is held upright. Paul writes of our spiritual home that it is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. What does that mean? The cornerstone is the most crucial block. Build on Jesus at the center, not on the periphery. Structure yourself on him. This cornerstone means all during the day you, you come back to Jesus with your discouragements, with your fear, with your questions. You're so based on Jesus, you can't solve problems without Jesus. And with Jesus as the cornerstone of your life, Monday to Saturday, in community and others, you will grow deep. You will find Jesus as the solid rock. Just leave it to Sunday and you won't. (laughs) Friends. You're very welcome around the meal table any Friday night in Bethnal Green. Um, Just tell me if you've got any special dietaries. In Ephesians 2, we're being told that you and I are the objects of the most incredible act of hospitality in history. We were foreigners, not left at the border, exploited by smugglers, lonely and at risk. No, our papers are good. Hello, stranger. We are brought into God's household. How? Hospitality is always expensive. It's one of the reasons why a lot of us don't do it. It's very costly. But nothing like this act of God's hospitality. Psalm 118 says, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. It's a prediction that Jesus, the chief cornerstone, would save us by being rejected. In his death, he was forsaken, he was cast out, so that we who are foreign to God, we who live our lives as rulers of our own meager household, may be brought round the lavish banqueting table of his household. And our access 
It's not just into the throne room. It's all the way into the living room. And what's more, this jumps off the pages because not only do we get to visit this property, we actually find that we inherit it. It is ours forever. Knowing that takes Jesus into the center of your life. Rejoice in him, worship him, and find a fit in him with others whose lives are seeking to be based on him. Do you see the strength of what St. Paul was saying? In him, the whole building is joined together. The home you truly desire and deeply need is a community held together by Jesus. Home is where things are the way you want them, where they fit your desires. This community of love is what you've been looking for, to be at peace, where you will count and where love will never end. It's not an impossible dream. It is hard. But friends, good news. You were foreigners and strangers, but now you are members of God's household. We're his people. We're his family, his dwelling place. Glory to him.